And welcome to the Sunrise and Shine podcast. My name is Steve, and I am a pastor. I pastor Awakened Church in Natchitoches, Louisiana, a church plant, a church startup. We're two and a half years old uh, as, as far as having weekly worship gatherings, but we're still very much a young congregation in need of um, just continue to grow into who God's vision is for us. So all that to say, uh, today's podcast i'm calling harmony in the house and this is going to be based on uh like a like the previous podcast from from last week uh it's going to be based on a sermon series that we did at awakened church in natchitoches um a little earlier this year the sermon series we called kingdom culture and um the whole idea was um kind of based off of uh my our one of our friend names Tariq who's actually a member of Awakened Church, a college student. And um, he had this idea that we're all, as people, we're, we're pieces to a puzzle, and no puzzle piece is exactly the same. No puzzle piece is a puzzle unto its own, and no puzzle piece is exactly the same. But when we come together, the puzzle makes one complete picture. And when we come together, when humanity comes together, or really in this case we're talking about the church, when church, when the, when the kingdom people come together, the people of the kingdom of God, we should form a picture, and that picture is Jesus, okay? And so that's kind of the idea behind all of this for the next, today and the next week or two, I'm going to talk even more about some of this. Um, and really I'm going to use the sermon outlines that I had to kind of structure these these podcasts. And so this will maybe be different than just me freewheeling and talking and me having, you know, uh, some of the, the regulars who are on here with me on the podcast and just kind of, you know, kind of spitting off the cuff. We're going to, I'm going to kind of go with the with my, uh, my kind of the outlines for those sermons as far as the content today. So anyway, I think it'd be helpful. And I was thinking uh, about this uh, today, and there's a story that I've told, and I found it uh, a while back when I was researching our history uh, of our country um, and people of color and um, and why it matters. And, and, and so back in 1868, um, there was a man named Dawson Pompey, and he was elected to public office in Michigan, uh, in a little town. I think it's called Covert, Michigan. Um, and he was elected to supervise white workers there. And now, this is interesting because in 1868, uh, black men, not black people, and even you know women couldn't couldn't vote. The only people allowed to vote were uh, were, were white men who had a job, or who you know th- those were the ones who could who could vote. In 1875, these these white residents they continued to vote, and they had they had voted. In this little town in Michigan, this small town, uh, they had also voted numerous African-American men into public positions, including the very first black justice of the peace. Now, these were decent people, and they chose to get along regardless of what was happening in the rest of the world, in the rest of the country, I should say, in in the 1868 to 1875. And we know if you do a little history search, you'll find out what's happening in our country during those years. And I think it, they just they just decided we're going to live in harmony. That regardless of what's happening in the rest of the country, in our in our community, we're going to live in harmony. Now. There's a lot of challenges to living in harmony because living in harmony can be difficult. I mean, it can. I mean, think about it. What are the challenges to living in harmony? What are the challenges that we face, that you face, I face, that all of us face to living in harmony? I have a, this is very fresh. Uh, This is from this week, actually. It's an email, and I just printed it out so I could read it easier uh, because all my devices are tied up at the moment, obviously. Um, 
But uh, this letter is from the leadership of the General Assembly of the Church of God about race. I'll give you a heads up. Uh, I, the church I pastor, uh, blessed to be a part of, the Church of God, uh, we have a, it's a, it's not a denomination. We, could, it's called a, we call ourselves a movement. I like the word network. It's a network of churches that affiliate together. We have general, uh, general offices and a general assembly. We have officers. And so this is the leadership council um sent out this this memo and i want to read some highlighted parts of it real quick because it ties into how we have harmony in the house speaking about really racial harmony absolutely but across you know, all the ways we do all the ways we divide divide ourselves all the way we see ourselves as different and divide ourselves how do we have harmony across all the lines racial lines are the are the most prominent one that, I, that that i'm focusing on but you know we have gender lines and, and all kinds of lines that in the house of god we still have these lines drawn so this this letter this email came out may 18th 2020 and it says this is letter i'm just going to read some highlights a uh, letter from the leadership of the church of god uh, general assembly for the united states and canada about race even as we write these words, we realize that the structure of our church does not does not make our words binding on anyone. See, that's where our kind of network of churches is kind of different from a denomination. There is no uh, there's no way they can make a, a like a, a ruling that's binding on us because we don't have that kind of structure. We have some leadership structure that we that we decide to or, or choose to uh, come underneath of. Nevertheless, it is our sincere hope and prayer that our lives, our labor, and our love for this church, talking about the whole group of of congregations that make up a church, will allow you to hear us, perhaps even as we heed, even heed what we have to share. Last week, our general director, Pastor Jim Lyon, he uh, posted two comments to his Twitter account, which were reposted to the Church of God Ministries Facebook page. He was addressing the tragic shooting death of the 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery of, of Brunswick, Georgia, whose story has become much-discussed national headline. And you have probably heard or seen the stories about what happened with Ahmad Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia. Reverend Lyon's post on social media brought many comments of support and thanksgiving for his boldness in speaking. Uh, unfortunately, many comments that evidence the racial divide in our world today were also posted. As officers of the General Assembly, we hold no illusions that we can stop hatred or prejudice, but we can and indeed must stand up and speak out against it. We condemn every hint of racism, discrimination, and prejudice that may infect the church and disfigure our society, and we must name sin and where where it is found, and that includes the sin of racism. It is our prayer, indeed, that the longing of our it is indeed the longing of our hearts that. In a world so polarized, so fractured, and so divided, that we in the Church of God will allow what the Church of God historian Dr. John W. V. Smith said should define us, that in our quest for holiness and unity, we will find ourselves nearer to God's dream for us and showing, sharing, and shining to a world so estranged and divided the glorious light of the Reformation movement. So that's just a, a, a part of that email that they had sent out. And, and, and I want to say that because living in harmony is difficult. And we find that even within the context of 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 church people have it, racism comes out and it did here people responded to you know pastor jim's posting these tweets these comments which i read I actually commented thanks jim thanks for for being uh thanks for being a light and um people were upset and taking a stance against him 
saying what he did. And so, so we're divided on this because we have challenges when it comes to having harmony, not just in our culture, but as we just read, man, harmony in the house, harmony within the church. So we're going to take a deeper look at this, um, kind of with that same idea that my good friend Tariq came with. We're all pieces of a puzzle, and when that puzzle comes together, it makes one picture. And for us, for the people of God, that picture is Jesus. And so here's a scripture, a passage that I, hint, I, I hinted at last week, and we read a little bit of it and talked about it. I want to just read this, and this will be the main thing I kind of want to go back to over and over for our next few minutes together today. It's in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. So if you want to take if you want to take note of that, some people like to do that. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 is what I'm going to read. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, for those who may or may not know, uh, at the time of this writing, uh, the writer was was named Paul. He was a Jewish Christian, someone who followed Jesus, but he was Jewish by his upbringing, by his tradition, by his religion. And Gentiles were everybody else. <laughs> That's just an easy way to understand it. So he says, don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you should you in those days you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promise God made to them. You lived in a world without God and without hope. But but now, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in His own body on the cross He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of His death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death he brought the good news of peace to you gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the jews who were near now all who now all of us can come to the father through the same holy spirit because of what christ jesus has done for us so now you gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners you are citizens along with all of god's holy people you are members of god's family y'all i'm a gentile i'm excited for that <laughs> you are members of god's family together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is christ jesus himself we are clearly joined together in him careful i mean carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the lord though through you gentiles through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So that's Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And um, the thing about this is, guys, here's just what I want the takeaway. If you get anything about this today, and I'm going to talk a, a, a while about this, uh, but here's the big takeaway. Harmony in the culture begins harmony in the house of God. Harmony in the culture begins with harmony in the house of God. That's because Jesus does something that nothing else does in our culture. Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. Right here in the scripture we see it. We'll get deeper into it. But, but Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. Now, harmony is one of the greatest themes in the scripture. We can go back to Genesis and we find that the world has fallen. And, and, and in Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 15, we see covenant language. God makes a covenant with Abraham and it's a promise. That's this promise that through Abraham, 
all the peoples of the world will be blessed. He's talking about, I'm going to bring harmony to the world through your descendants, Abraham. The plan, though, was bigger than one ethnic group. The plan was, was for Jesus, because Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, that all nations of the world will be blessed. So Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, and the promise is bigger. The plan is bigger than just that one ethnic group. Now we fast forward to, and, and, and I get it, I'm going to fast forward a few times here, but we're going to fast forward to where the Bible ends. We get that story of Abraham beginning this covenant, but we fast forward to the, the end of the scriptures, and we see Revelation, and Revelation 7, which is that passage I really pulled out last week, and last week when I when I recorded the last pod, you can go back to last week's podcast if you want, um, called What Color is the Church, and it's on Revelation 7, and in that that that, that scene in Revelation 7, we see the kingdom culture where there's men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation, a multicultural expression of faith and worship before the throne of Jesus. Jesus is the subject. Jesus is in the center. And, and, and he writes there, I see the church and the church is, the kingdom is an expression of faith and worship from every tribe, every tongue and nation. So Jesus replaces the hostility with harmony. Now, my question is, after all this time, how is it that, and I've heard this phrase, the church hour is still the most segregated hour in our culture? That means, you know, when we look around our culture, um, things aren't as segregated, obviously, as they, as they were years ago. Now, we've not, we've not arrived where, we, where everything is, is truly equal. I know some people say we have, but, but just that uh, email I read uh, so that, that, that we're not quite there yet. But how is it? And I get right now we're in this pandemic and not everybody's even back together, meeting together yet. <laughs> but, but it's true, though. How, how is it? That's my question. After all this time, the church hour is still the most segregated hour in our culture. Because Jesus taught about harmony. And he, taught, he, and he didn't just teach about it. He modeled it. He modeled harmony. He modeled it. Especially when we think about racial harmony. He definitely... Uh, modeled racial harmony for us. If we look in John, I'm going to move this a little bit here. My, my phone's getting hot, I can tell. I don't want it to just cut off on me. But um, John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples, who were all uh, from the Jewish faith, just as Jesus was, I have other sheep too. They are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and they will be one flock with one shepherd. So Jesus is he's preaching to a group of people who felt like they were, they had this feeling of ethnic elite, like we don't associate with those Gentiles, because they believed anyone from a different ethnic group from them, it was unclean. They even used that word. They're unclean. And it was actually against the law to be in their home. It's against the law to be in the home of a Gentile if you were a Jew. And Jesus is saying, you know, hey, I'm inviting them into this house. I'm inviting them into my house. I'm inviting them to eat at this table. There's one shepherd, one flock. Jesus says, I'm inviting those ones who, who, who you don't like, who actually you want to do, have nothing to do with, Gentiles. And I'm inviting them to this house, to this table. Now, there's another group called Samaritans. Now, Samaritans and, and the Jews hated the Samaritans, but it goes both ways. The Samaritans also hated the Jews. And many of the Jews uh, would go to the temple and I, 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 I did some research and I found this, and this shocked me, that, that many of the Jews of that, of that day, this is, this is ancient Jew, I'm not talking about today, I'm talking about in ancient, these ancient times, 
in the time of Jesus, in the time of Jesus, this was going on, the Jews would go to the temple and they would pray that God would not forgive the sins of Samaritans. Now, how much do you have to hate somebody to go to the temple, to go to church and pray that God would not forgive? Don't listen to their prayers of forgiveness, God. Don't don't listen to them. They're going to ask for forgiveness and they're going to say they worship you, but don't believe them. Don't, don't forgive them, Lord. And then Jesus makes a Samaritan the hero of one of his most famous parables. You probably know the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and Jesus does, he like makes the Samaritan is the hero of that parable. And one day Jesus even sits down and, and, and at a water well and has a heart-to-heart with a Samaritan woman. And, and this is Jesus, a Jewish man, and a Samaritan woman. And he says, it's actually like a triple whammy for this one. Because not only is she a Samaritan, and the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans, and Samaritans don't want to have anything to do with the Jews, but she's a woman. And in that culture, in that day, a woman did not speak to a man in public and he, he wouldn't speak to her anyway, but, but unless they were close, a close relative, like a brother, maybe an uncle, a dad, you know, and, and so that was part of the thing. But also she was known to be a very sinful woman. I mean, that's kind of a part of the story. She was known to be a sinful woman. Three strikes for her, and yet she's the person, get this, Jesus reveals for the very first time he's the Messiah. This is the person. Someone with three strikes against him. You're a Samaritan? We don't like, we don't, you know, culturally, we have a racial problem with Samaritans. You're a woman, gender, we, you know, we have this misogynistic thing, and you're not, you do not speak to a, a man in public. And she's, she's a sinner. I mean, she's obviously someone who is living a sexual lifestyle that is not what God intended for her. And it, we would say, man, that's, that's this person. How could Jesus even talk to this person? And that Jesus reveals to her, He's the Messiah, and she's the first person he reveals he's the Messiah to. So for us, we tend to we tend to like the the the, the comfort of likeness, like sameness, like like we like to be around people like us. It makes us comfortable. We like that comfort. We tend to allow the comfort of likeness to pull us away from the div- beauty of diversity. There's a beauty in diversity. Don't let the comfort of likeness pull you away from the beauty of diversity. Jesus leads us out of that comfort zone. He leads us out of all of our comfort zones. He leads us into harmony in diversity. Now, I'm not going to pretend like it's not. Diversity's difficult because it's messy. <laughs> I mean, there's when it comes especially when we when we're speaking like racial diversity, there are landmines there and sometimes you don't know they're there until you step on them and they blow up. I've been guilty of that myself. When I would say something, maybe cracking a joke or maybe just in ignorance, and I would say something that was offensive to somebody, and I certainly meant no offense, and I'm not a racist, but that doesn't change the fact that, that I had made a racist remark, and as soon as that blew up, I had to backtrack. I had to ask for forgiveness, and, and I'm walking in that, and I'm still learning, and I pray that you would still be learning as well, that we're all in this thing together, and when we step on those landmines, don't say, oh, don't be so sensitive. How about we step back and go, you know what? Maybe I should not be so quick to make jokes and be sarcastic and, and, and with my wit. So let's, let's, let's care about the other person more than we care about our right to be comfortable. Because in our comfort, Jesus calls us out of that comfort. Now, here's the thing about harmony. And this is why this is so difficult for us to really get right now. Because harmony is not a, not a social issue. And what I mean is it doesn't have a social answer. Harmony is a gospel issue. And it's got a gospel answer. And all that to say, it's time the church be more like Jesus. 
That's what I'm trying to say here. Harmony is not about the social issue. It's about the gospel issue. And the church has got to be more like Jesus. So back to Ephesians 2. Verse 11 says, Don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called heathens and dogs by the Jews. You lived without God. You lived without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Jesus brought peace to us because Jesus is peace. On the cross, here's this important part. On the cross, he broke the walls of hostility that separated us. Jesus did that. The walls of hostility are broken down. Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. So we celebrate the differences because we're one. We got, that's, that's what we're, we are to do. We need to celebrate the differences because we're one. Now, I mentioned this last week, if you were listening to the podcast last week, on uh, kind of touched as, as I kind of drifted a little bit into Ephesians 2 about this dividing wall of hostility. What that refers to is there was an actual wall. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was actually three courtyards in the temple. Now, the outer courtyard had, had what's called the, or could also be known as the, the court of the Gentiles or the, the court of the nations. It was a court where, where everybody could go. And, it, and Gentiles who had decided we want to put our faith and follow the Jewish customs and traditions and religion and put our faith in Yahweh and we would get, want to go to temple and be part of the sacrifices and the feasts and they were be allowed into this outer outer court called the court of the Gentiles. Now they had an inner court and the, the inner court was for Jewish Jewish people, men and women uh, who were Jewish by birth and not not just we want to convert and we want to worship this God, but but they were Jewish by birth and they were allowed to go into the inner court. And then they actually had an innermost court. And the innermost court it was reserved for for men only, Jewish men only. They had to be born Jewish, uh, and they they, uh, they they had to keep the laws. They had to they had to be known as somebody who kept the Torah. They had to be known as somebody who who kept up with the sub laws. Um, they were because they had to be considered clean, pure, and they was these were the only ones. These men who were Jewish born. Uh, who had kept all the laws and all the regulations were the only ones consider, considered pure enough, or actually pure at all, clean to be able to enter into the innermost court. So archaeologists discovered that there was a sign when they did when they were digging up ruins from the ancient temple from the time of Jesus that there's there was a sign on the Gentile wall that, that would keep them in the outer courts. That was actually built into the stone. It wasn't just like they made a sign and put it up. It was actually carved into the stone of the wall that basically said, if any Gentile crossed past this wall of the outer court, they would be put to death. This is in the temple. This is in the this is in the house of God. They're like, if you aren't if you aren't what we consider to be the right person, and you cross this line, it's written in stone. You'll be put in death. Now this was hostility. This was a dividing wall of hostility. So where do we find hostility today? We live in a day in a culture where, thank the Lord, that a lot of the real dividing walls have come down. Not that they all are down, and some would have you like think that they are, but they're not. But there's still hostility we find today. And, 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 and in most cases, it's not a, a physical wall, but an but emotional wall, relational wall, opportunity wall 
uh, educational wall, just the, the a way we view people wall is still there. A wall of hostility. We find it today when when Pastor Jim sent a tweet saying some some support about this this young man who was shot down in Georgia, and it was saying we've got to we've got to the church needs to rise up and take a stand against racial hostility. And he received hostility because he said we need to take a stand. There's that there's a dividing wall of hostility in that. So Ephesians 2 says, Jesus broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. It's down. It's gone. It, the, the wall's tore down. And he did this by, and it goes on. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. This is Ephesians 2. He ended the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. So he made peace between these different people groups by creating for himself one new people. So one new people, this word new. Now I'm no Greek scholar, but I am a, uh, I say I'm not an expert, but I'm a specialist. And one of my things I'm a specialist about is I'm a specialist with words. I'm not an expert. I'm not a Greek expert. I don't speak Greek or read Greek, but I research the heck out of words I find interesting. And this word new, he says one new people that Jesus makes for himself. It's this Greek word kainos. And again, if I, if I pronounce it wrong, I admit I'm not a Greek scholar. Throw me under the bus. But this word new, kainos, and it means, it's a specific word that means a new kind. It's like unprecedented. It's unheard of. We've never seen this before. It's not a new car. It's the first car. That's what kainos is. It's not a, it's not a new version of the phone. It's the very first phone. It's unprecedented, unprecedented, unheard of. We've never seen this before. It's, it's time for, it's time for something completely different. And this is what, what, what Ephesians, what Paul says in Ephesians, this is what Jesus has done for us. This is, this is us, this new people. It's unprecedented. It's never heard of before. Jews and Gentiles, but now we're one family? We can take that today. Black and white, Southern, Northern, Republican, Democrat, male, female. We're, we're one. We're one in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are Kainos. We are one. We're new people set apart to Jesus by Jesus himself. You know, one of the things I used to pride myself in when I was growing up, and again, this is one of the things where it's not necessarily a really bad negative thing to say, but it's something I didn't realize was was incorrect way of looking at things until I got older. Because I grew up in the 80s, and I, I remember one of our favorite, my favorite shirts was a, it was a bit white t-shirt, and, and it kind of fit just right, you know, kind of highlights the muscles, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but it was a white shirt, and it had these bright colors, and it says, love, see, no color, love, see, no color, and I love that, that theme, I love that, I love to wear the shirt, I love the idea that true love sees no color, and I would, I would pride myself in this phrase, I'm colorblind. When, it, when I would be around friends and people and we would talk about racism and race and these kind of things, I would say, yeah, well, I'm colorblind. And I've come to realize I was actually wrong with that idea of I don't see colors. I, I don't see that. I don't see people's skin tones and I don't see the differences. Living in harmony doesn't mean we're colorblind. It means we see all the colors as beautiful. That's what living in harmony means. Now, I got to establish something you guys may not be aware of. I'm white. <laughs> I'm white, and I I can't feel guilty about that because I was born white. I mean, I'm born to white parents. I'm a white person. You know, one of the things I've heard I heard another pastor say discussing this topic one time, and it resonated with me is that you know I'm I'm white and I hardly have any cool in my DNA. <laughs> but harmony 
isn't about erasing our differences. It's about embracing our differences, okay? Harmony isn't about erasing the differences. It's about embracing, even celebrating the differences. Think about it like this. I've got three boys, and they are all different, all very different. They have the same parents. Okay, yeah, my boys, are they all have the same skin color. Uh, they, they're both from, you know, same kind of area of the country. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of ways they're, they're a lot of ways they're alike, but they are so different. And if you have more than one child, you realize, well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They're all different. They're real different. Mine are real different, but here's the thing. We belong together. No matter how different my boys are, we belong together. No matter how different they are from me, are different from my wife Shelly, are different from each other, and they're very different from each other, we belong together. We make up one household because they have one father. And we, that, that's just a way of, of looking at this is the household of faith. It's a celebration of what Jesus has done, making us one making us one. Now, in verse 18 here in Ephesians 12, I mean Ephesians 2, uh, he says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. All of us. All of us come to the Father through the same Spirit because of what the same Jesus has done for all of us. And then he goes on in verse 19, and he says, So you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are no longer different. You're no longer other than. You're no longer, no longer less than. You no longer have an outer court with a dividing wall. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. What that means is I have more in common with an Iraqi Christian than I do with an unbelieving American. It's true. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I have more in true with a brother or sister who is who is in Iraq, from Iraq, who are, who are a Christian, who are a follower of Jesus, than I have in common with someone who's an unbelieving American. Because what I have in common is citizenship in the kingdom of God and, and a, a membership in God's family. This means I have more in common with an African American or a Latino or an Asian or an Indian or a believer than I do with another middle-aged white man from the American South who isn't following Jesus. And I meet middle-aged white men from the South who assume I believe and act and have thoughts like they do. And they kind of step back when they, when they hear me tell them things like this. In the kingdom culture, we celebrate the differences because we are one. One more thought for the next few minutes, and I'll end this, wrap this up. And it's about real change. Real change in our culture, it's going to require real change in us. And a lot of folks will say, well, we don't, we don't really need to change. I've heard statements such as, well, the only thing that holds women back is themselves. The only thing that holds people of color back are, are themselves. All the opportunities are there for everybody. And I've, I've stepped out of my world enough to, to, to open my eyes and look around and go, that's not true. We still need real change in our culture, and real change in our culture requires real change in us. Now think about this. What change do you want to see in the culture? Christians, church, church family, I'm talking to you. What change do you want to see in the culture? Because you've got to ask that next question is, how does that start with me? The change I want to see in the culture, how does that start with me? Verse 20 in Ephesians 2 says that uh, this is all built on a solid and specific foundation. Jesus himself, the cornerstone, it says. He's, there, he's the cornerstone. All of this, 
all of this, this harmony in the house, there can be harmony in the house because the house is built on a very solid and specific foundation where Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And then it goes on. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. The wall of hostility is torn down in that temple. And in this new temple, which is us, you and me, we are this temple. There is no wall. Of, there is no dividing wall of hostility. So it says we are becoming the holy temple. So it's becoming. It's becoming. It means we're growing into it. It means we're not there yet. It means we've got a ways to go. We grow into the temple of God. We grow into the household of faith. And that word grow is for my awakened church family. That's our word for the year. And it's been two months since we've been together face to face. And maybe we've forgotten that our word is grow. Because what we've really been doing this, this over this season is how are we going to grow our social media reach? How are we going to grow our online presence? And at the same time, don't forget that we are to grow as people of God. And, the, and as people of God, that means we grow to become more like Jesus. And to grow means we, we invite others on the journey. And we're not waiting to, for Awakened Church is the only church I really can speak about because that's where I'm the pastor. I'm blessed to be the, the pastor with, with this little church startup in Natchitoches. We're not there yet. We don't, have, we, we don't have it all figured out. But we're not waiting until we have it all figured out to invite you on the journey with us. We're not waiting until it's all figured out and all put in these little places till we get it figured out. What we do is we know, we know this. We want to become more like Jesus. And that means we seek harmony in the house. And for us, for, for us we're going to do our part. So in order to connect, we have to sacrifice our comfort. In order to connect... And make this happen, we have to sacrifice our comfort. And that's a, if anything for me has been highlighted, and a lot of things have been highlighted over this past situation, uh, over the last couple of months with the pandemic, uh, the global pandemic, and all the stay at home order and shelter in place and quarantines and all these things. And you have to wear a, a mask or you know, other people shaming people for wearing your, your mask and, and all this. One thing I've noticed is. We don't like that our comfort has been challenged. And we even will face it and say, you're trying to control me because I'm uncomfortable now. Anything, anything, any of our comfort that has been uh, challenged or taken away has made us so upset as a culture. I get I don't like my comfort disrupted either. But if, but if we're going to connect on this level that, that we have harmony in the house, we've got to sacrifice our comfort. Because that is that, that sacrifice, that's a true testament of love. If I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort for you, that's a testament of love. That's why I wear a mask when I go out in public. Because not, not for me, it's me because it's not comfortable. I hate that thing. I hate having that thing on my face. But I want to sacrifice that because I love you. I'll sacrifice my comfort. Because of that. That's what love is. And so your sacrifice of your comfort in order to connect is for the betterment of all of us. That's for, that's for all of us. That's for our betterment. So our tendency is when we think about our own homes and our own dinner tables. And I get I'm, this is metaphorical for now because we're probably not inviting neighbor, neighbors and folks to the house right now. But our tendency is to have people around our table that look like us. With the same point of view. And I get it. I don't like to sit down with people with different points of view than me, especially politically, because that's a that's a conversation gets heated. But what about your dinner table? What about your life? That's what I'm talking about. Who are you sharing your walk with? Somewhere along the way, the church kind of got silent on some of this. We're afraid of hurting feelings. We're afraid of we're going. You know, we're afraid that we're just going to hurt feelings. And so let's just 
go with the flow of culture that says, you know, let's just go with every everything that's out there and let's just kind of flow with it and let's don't sacrifice our comfort and let's don't uh, you know, let's don't cause any issues. But the church has to have a kingdom culture and to live out that kingdom culture. We have to we have to find we find ourselves living it out. We have to find it ourselves living it out in our culture, uh, in our world, in, in our town, in our in our church. So our world needs harmony. There's no there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Probably not yours. Our world needs harmony, and I believe it starts with me. It starts with you because it because the church has to lead the way. Because I believe it's not just a social issue. I think it's especially a gospel issue. And the way of gospel is reconciliation. And we are to live that out. We got to live that out. So harmony in the culture begins with harmony in the house of God. Man, thank you all for joining me today. I just kind of... Ah, like I said, I, this is this is kind of based on a sermon series that we did uh, earlier in the year at Awaken Church, and I was kind of using my sermon notes as an outline, and I didn't really mean to really preach, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Lord, let it start with me. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Lord, let it start with us. Let it start with your people. I pray that you would join me in that prayer, and that we would be the people of God that He intends us to be. The dividing wall of hostility torn down. One new people in the name of Jesus. Thanks guys. God bless you.